One false move, you a goner. Wiz mashing up before Corona. Yarn nigga, hanging out the Bentley while I'm swinging around the corner. Paper tag, this is not a loner. Drug dealer, this one for the owners. This ain't for the leases. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm definitely trying to get reach a thousand subscribers, man. And anything would help. I definitely appreciate it. Go to the YouTube. The link is in the description. If you click on the link, it goes straight. To, it allows you pretty much to subscribe, man. Just do it for you. Do it for the kid. But so the biggest news last week was of course Julio Jones getting traded and we knew it was coming uh we heard rumblings of Julio Jones going to get traded uh he went on well Shannon Sharp called him an undisputed and he's pretty much saying he was out of there but this has been going on for a couple years now uh kind of ever since really uh the the Super Bowl collapse of the Atlanta Falcons the the problem with the the problem with the 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 Atlanta Falcons was most of their money was going to Matt Ryan. In fact, pretty much all of their money was going to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And when you're a team that struggles mightily uh, with the run, that struggles mightily with the offensive line, that struggles mightily with the defense, your two best player or your two most expensive players can't be two players that kind of depended on others you know what I mean and while there's no question that Julio Jones is a top receiver in the game the last two years he's been kind of nicked with injuries now there's a narrative going on that says that or that's saying that Julio Jones is an injury prone player which is not the case ever the last two years like I said he has been dealing with some nicks and some injuries but if you look at the totality of his career he hasn't been injury prone at all He's, he's actually been one of the most reliable uh, wide receivers and most available wide receivers. So, yeah, the whole injury-prone thing, it, I, don't, I don't see it. But we knew, you know, the, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Falcons, we knew they were going to trade Julio Jones. And the question was, who was he going to trade to? You know, who, we, we knew Julio Jones was saying – that he wanted to go to a big arm quarterback, he wanted to go to a win now situation. Uh, the Patriots were through, you know, their name was out there. The Ravens were named out there. Green Bay Packers were out there. But he ultimately ended up with Tennessee. Now, first and foremost, I'm gonna give a couple winners and losers of this of this trade. First and foremost, a, a huge winner is Tennessee. You you pair him up with AJ Brown, who is a great young uh, wide receiver. You pair him up with. Um, Derrick Henry, who's one of the, who's the most physically imposing ru running back in the game, and and Ryan Tannehill, uh, he you know he pretty much got what he asked for. He he does have a big arm quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, and he has an all the offense is going to be okay. I say the Tennessee Titans was a winner because I mean you get Julio Jones. I can also see them being kind of a loser because while you have Julio Jones. They haven't addressed their biggest problem, which is their defense. They can't really stop anybody. That's one reason why they lost in the playoffs last year against the Ravens. While they were doing what they were supposed to do on offense until like the fourth quarter, their defense was was struggling. And, you know, yeah, you get Julio and you pair him up with A.J. Brown and you can arguably have uh, a top wide receiver duo in the league. You still can't stop anybody. And also... I'll say a loser in this is Atlanta because all we heard was they're going to try to get a first rounder. And the fact that you trade him for a second rounder and maybe like a third rounder in the next draft, like you would think, especially when you see what, uh, what Orlando Brown uh, went for was the offensive lineman, especially when you see what some of the wide receivers that, that were traded was went for, and he only gets a second round pick. And Julio Jones, when healthy, there's really no, I'm not going to say, I mean, there, you can debate, but there's really no debate. Julio Jones is the best 
wide receiver in the league when healthy. So to get him for only a second rounder, I mean, especially when you were saying that you're looking for at minimum just a first rounder, and you don't you don't even get that. And reports are coming out saying that the first rounder wasn't even offered. So I just think now now we do know that Julio Jones is in the latter half of his career, but that doesn't negate from the fact that he's still a premier wide receiver. And it kind of goes back to what I just said. It, the question now is, you know, is he? Is, are they a top duo as far as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? Are they a top duo in the league as far as wide receivers? You have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You have D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, you have Tyreek Hill, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put Travis Kelsey because he's pretty much a wide receiver. You know, you have a lot of a lot of dual threats and or a lot of duos that are that are great. But AJ Brown and 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 Julio is definitely on t- up there. So that's why I would say Tennessee, like I said, is a, is a winner. A loser in this has to, you have to look at. The Patriots. You have to look at the Green Bay Packers. You have to look at the Ravens because let's start with the Patriots. The biggest problem with the Patriots, and we've seen, is the Patriots have a tough time evaluating wide receiver talent. They have a tough time evaluating wide receiver talent in the draft and in free agency. When you look at what Julio Jones went for, and then you look at the Patriots went for a lot more, like, Muhammad Sanu, they the Patriots traded for Muhammad Sanu, and he offered a lot more than Julio Jones. And there's nobody on this earth that should think that Muhammad Sanu is better than Julio Jones. And when the report come out says that they they as far as the Patriots and the Seahawks didn't want to pay the price that Julio Jones is. I understand the Seahawks. I understand the Seahawks not, maybe not wanting to pay. It. See, I mean, you have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, and your offensive line is still god awful. Your defense still needs work. Not to mention, like I said, you need to figure out how you're going to extend Jamal Adams uh, after giving up all that you gave up for him. So I understand the Seattle, but for the Patriots, when you know you go get Hunter Henry, you go get. Uh, John Dew Smith, you go get Nelson Aguilar. Like, you do all these moves in the offseason, and you still kind of don't have that number one receiver, not to mention the fact that Cam Newton and Julio Jones already have a past relationship. You know, they work they they work out with each other sometimes in the offseason. It's like, why would you not? I understand. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense because you have, I mean, you have Cam Newton. You have Cam Newton, and it, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Green Bay because you already know the the rocky situation that you have right now with Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about that a little later. But you already know the rocky situation you have with Aaron Rodgers. Why would you not get him? Arguably the top two wide receivers in the league because last year an argument can be made that Devontae Adams was a top wide receiver. And now you have Julio Jones like that. That is an unst like one thing that we've 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 said time to time, especially about the Green Bay Packers is even if you take Devontae Adams out, yeah, you have Valdez Scantley, yeah, you have uh Lazard, but those aren't those aren't really those are threes. Those those aren't bona fide twos. The only reason why they're they're twos is because Aaron Rodgers makes them twos. Like if they were if they were on the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're on the Saints, they wouldn't be twos. But because you have Aaron Rodgers making them two, imagine if you have on one side Aaron, I mean Julio Jones, and the other side Devontae Adams. You're already messing like it just it just doesn't make sense, man. You have a a top tier wide, and it's very rare that a top tier wide receiver, especially a wide receiver of this magnitude, is available, and you don't get it. They they didn't get Odell Beckham Jr. as far as the Patriots, as far as uh, Green Bay, they didn't get uh, Odell Beckham Jr. when he was available. They didn't get Stephon Diggs when he was available, and they didn't get Julio Jones, who was arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Hell, they didn't even get Devontae Adams. I mean, not Devontae Adams. They didn't even get De- DeAndre Hopkins when he was traded from Houston to Arizona. So it's like, 
this is a this is a passing league at this point. Yes, I know you still have the Derrick Henrys, you still have the Aaron Joneses, you still have the Delvin Cooks, but this is a passing league. And when you when when you look, and I'm, I'm solely talking on the Patriots right now. When you look last season, and your biggest problem was you couldn't, the wide receivers couldn't create separation. And you knew you didn't have a number one receiver. Like, I just don't. You look at Julio Jones and you look at Nelson Aguilar. You cannot tell me that both of them are number ones. Like, there's there's no way you can tell me that. And it's like, I just feel you dropped the ball, man. I just feel, like I said, the Patriots dropped the ball. I feel the, the Green Bay dropped the ball. I feel a lot of teams that didn't want to pay Julio Jones' salary dropped the ball, especially when your biggest problem is ride receiver. Like, and and on top of that, on top of everything, I understand that you got this, the, the tight end situation straight for Cam Newton, but wouldn't you want a top-tier quarterback for Cam Newton? And imagine if Cam Newton gets hurt, Lord, Lord forbid. Imagine if Cam Newton gets hurt or you bench Cam Newton because he's just not good. Then you bring Adam Jones or Matt Jones. Don't you want Matt Jones to have a reliable number one receiver? And what better reliable number one receiver than Julio Jones? So congratulations to Julio Jones. I know the report came out saying he's going to be wearing number two. Uh, congrats to him. Congrats to the Tennessee Titans. I don't I'll say this. Getting Julio makes them better, of course. You have it's now you can't double team AJ AJ uh Brown. You're gonna have to single coverage AJ, you're gonna have to single coverage Julio, and that's I don't know how you're gonna do that. And then that also frees up the box and opens up the box a little bit for Derrick Henry. Um so play out play out play option, run pass option is gonna be crazy. I don't know how it's going to be tough, but I, again, I think this move most definitely makes Tennessee better. Do I think that they're the best in their division? I mean, yeah, I I think, I think so, but I don't know if this makes them Super Bowl Super Bowl content. I don't think this is, I don't think this move makes them Super Bowl contenders. Because I don't, I don't see them better than the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't see them better. You can kind of argue, are they better than the Colts, which is in the same division? Are they kind of in the kind of better than the Colts? But we do have to see what happens with Carson Wentz. Um, I don't really see them better than the Ravens right now. I don't see them better than what else? In there? I, it's kind of it's really depending on Baker Mayfield. But if you look at just both rosters, I don't see them better than the Browns. So. I just, I do think that we need to we need to wait and see. I don't think that this makes them Super Bowl contenders, but it definitely makes them better. So shouts out to Julio Jones and shouts out to Tennessee for for getting the deal done. So let's move on. So the NBA playoffs is 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 of course going on right now, and we're in the second round. Now I gave my second round predictions last episode. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go over who's the 10 best players left in the playoffs. Now, of course, there's going to be no Stephs. There's going to be no Dames, no Lucas, no, no, uh, what? No bronze. Cause they're not in the playoffs anymore. I just wanted to do who are the top 10 players left in the playoffs. And I'm going to start with number 10, which is Trey young. Take Trey young off the, <laughs> take Trey young off of the, Atlanta Hawks and who was there who who's gonna score yes you have Bogdanovich yes you have um that's about it <laughs> like they don't really have a second score I think their second best player is probably Clint Capella but he needs someone to give him the ball maybe you can say John Collins but he's not a reliable like he's not a ball to, he's not a person that can really put the ball on the ground. So you're it, it's really the fact that the Atlanta Hawks are in the second round is a testament to how good Trey Young has been this playoffs. And it Trey Young, while he still takes some, you know, he we know he's a deep threat. We know that he can shoot the ball from incredible lengths and is an incredible shooter. Sometimes he shoots a little like sometimes he shoots the deep deep ball a little too much but Trey Young has been incredible and Trey Young is the main reason why the Atlanta Hawks right now is in the second round going against the Philadelphia 76ers so number 10 I have Trey Young 
Number nine, I have Donovan Mitchell. This right, if you really look at all the teams remaining, the deepest team is the Utah Jazz. They are good at damn near every every position. But Donovan Mitchell is the head of that snake. And as we saw with game one against Memphis, yeah, you can have Mike Conley, who's out actually right now. You can have Mike Conley. You can have Rudy Gobert. You can have all the players that you had, the, the Jordan Clarksers who won sixth man of the year. But it doesn't matter if you don't have the head of that snake, which is Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell has been incredible since coming back from, from injury. And with Donovan Mitchell – the Utah Jazz have a really good shot of winning it all. They have a really good shot of going to the NBA Finals. They have a really good shot of winning the NBA Finals. Without Donovan Mitchell, I don't give them a shot. I don't I don't think they have that 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 is a team that while they're deep in a lot of positions, they need Donovan Mitchell and they need the head of that snake to go anywhere. And the head of that snake is Donovan Mitchell. So I have Donovan Mitchell at nine. Number eight, I have Kyrie. We know, I mean, we know how good Brooklyn has been. And a lot of that is because of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, now, when we talk about Kyrie, we know about the handles. He arguably has the best handle in NBA history. We know about his uh, below-the-rim ability to finish and his acrobatic moves. But one of the most underrated um, underrated stats that he ha- that he owns is He's a he's a he's been a very reliable three point shooter this entire year. Like we talked about earlier, or when the season ended, that he was on the 50-40-90 club, and the fact that you shoot forty percent or higher from three point line is 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 good. And he he's been he's been incredible. He was he was he was very important in the first round against Boston, and he's been very important in the second round against uh, the Bucks. So while Kyrie Irving is not the best player and has not been the best player on that team, he has been very important. So I have Kyrie at number eight, number seven, I have CP three. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough, man. The MV, the MVP just came out and we'll talk about it uh, in a second. But the fact that, you know, it's, it's the fact that Chris Paul is fighting for votes is, is kind of laughable for me seeing as though, you look at what ha- you look at the Suns before Chris Paul. Now, yes, at the end of the season last year and in the bubble, they had a surge, and of course, they went eight straight. They just didn't make the playoffs. But this was a team that was leaderless. Don- Devin Booker is an incredible player, but I don't know if he's that good, that much of a leader because he's still young. Their leader was their coach, and wow, that can be good. Sometimes, usually, that's not a recipe for success. And with CP3, the Phoenix Suns, if you look at the Phoenix Suns and look how they've been playing, look how they've been playing in the first round against the Lakers, knocking off LeBron and AD. Look, If you see what they look like the second round, like they look like they could win it all. They And the the the... The only problem and the only question that we have with the 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 Phoenix Suns is their age. They are a deep team. They're an ex- I'm not they're not really experienced team, but they have Chris Paul who's who's leading the the way. They have Devin Booker. They have all the recipes of a championship team. The only thing that they do not have is they aren't a they are, they're not an experienced team. This is the first time a lot, most of the team is in the playoffs. And and Chris Paul has been. You look. You look at the. You look at it. The games that Chris Paul is not has not played good. They've lost the games that Chris Paul has played well. They've won. Chris Paul has been incredible. And if without Chris Paul, the Phoenix. I'll say this. Without Chris Paul, I don't think the Phoenix Suns would be in the playoffs. And without Chris Paul, I don't think the Phoenix Suns, now that they are in the playoffs, I don't think that they even make it out of round one. And with Chris Paul, they have a shot of winning the the, the whole thing, the NBA Finals. So, I, you know, I have Chris Paul at seven. At six, I have Giannis. We'll talk about Giannis a little uh, in, in a little bit later, but Giannis is still a two-time, two-time MVP, def, uh, defensive player of the year. 
Giannis, I mean, Giannis still, he's still what the 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 cog that makes the Bucks turn. I know you have Drew Holiday, I know you have Brooke Lopez, I know you have PJ Tucker, but the Bucks are absolutely nothing without Giannis. Now I know it's kind of hard to say after we saw what happened the first two games in the second round, but Giannis is still an incredible player, and that's why I, it's, it, I can't really put him anywhere. I understand that he, especially the second game, the first game he played good, but the second game, I, I can't, I know he had, they haven't played up to standard. They've been kind of getting blown out by Brooklyn, but the, you can't make a top 10 list about players remaining and not put a two-time champion in. It, it, it just, it just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> so I have Giannis at six. At five, I have Joel Embiid. The only problem with Joel Embiid, and the only reason why I have him at fifth and not higher is because of his health. We need to see when he's on the floor, he has been a dominant force. In fact, this just, this isn't just with the playoffs. This goes back to the regular season. I solely believe if Joel Embiid never got hurt in the regular season, I think that he would have won the MVP. And I think that the, I think Philly would be in a better spot. Now, I understand they got the number overall seed but I, I would think they'd be in a better spot than they are now they are in the second round and a lot of that is because of the play of Joel Embiid I know he missed what the last two game or one and a half games against of uh, the 76ers I mean no against the Wizards the first round but Joel Embiid has been good Joel Embiid has been incredible and Joel Embiid is putting up numbers that we haven't seen since Shaq that is with him on the floor. Now, of course, he needs to stay on the floor, but when he's on the floor, he's a top five player, in my opinion. So that's why I have Joel Embiid at fifth. Joel Embiid at fifth. At four, I have James Harden. Now, I under, again, James Harden's injured right now with a hamstring. We'll see if he plays. But on the floor, James Harden is... I'm not saying he's the best player for the, the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not saying that at all. But he is probably the most important. Now, I understand what they're doing against the Bucks right now. But do not think the Bucks. I mean, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets can win a championship without James Harden. Even if they have Ja'Kyrie, even if they have KD, even if they have Blake Griffin playing like he's playing now. If they do not have James Harden, they will not win a championship. James Harden, uh, he dictates tempo. James Harden's able to get uh, other players involved with his assists. James Harden can drop 30 on you with 10 rebounds and 15 assists. James Harden is another enigma in the league. We, I know I talked about Russell Westbrook on. You know what it is? James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they're not the same, but they're the same. As far as they dominate the game the exact same way, just in different realms. And I'll say it like this. Russell Westbrook dominates the game with his ferocity. He dominates the game with his athleticism. He's a triple-double king. Uh, he's able to get to the rim effortlessly a lot. That's just how he dominates. James Harden, he also is a walking triple-double However, he doesn't really beat you with athleticism, but he beats you with his handles. Uh, he beats you with his crossover. He's able to his step back is 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 freaking lethal. Like it's 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 it, you can't it, when if his step back's on, it's it's over. There's there's nothing that can be done. And they both they're both games that you can't describe. And I don't think. We'll see another Russell Westbrook, and I don't think we'll see another James Harden. That's how good James Harden is. And and like I said, you can have Katie, you can have Kyrie, you can have uh, Blake Griffin. They're not going to win a championship if James Harden's not healthy. So I have James Harden at number four. And number three, I have Nicole Jokic. First and foremost, shouts out to Nicole Jokic for winning MVP. It was kind of we kind of knew where where it was going. Uh, we we knew who was going to win MVP at this, you know, and that doesn't take away from the fact that Nikola Jokic deserved MVP this year. He was the only player that was or only finalist that had uh, that played all all every game this season, and he has been the sole reason. I I, I counted them out. Let me say I, you can go back. I counted them out. 
I didn't think that the Nuggets were going to win in round one against Dame and the Portland Trailblazers because I thought that they would miss Jamal Murray. What I didn't, and I knew that they had Nicole Jokic, but I just thought that while Nicole Jokic can't guard Damian Lillard and CJ, I thought that that was just going to be too much for Austin Rivers or in Compazzo. But <laughs> Nikola Jokic was incredible. And then, and I understand, you know, what happened or what's happening in the second round, but he's been incredible. This He's been incredible this entire season, and that's only spilled over to the to the postseason. And, again, shouts out to Nikola Jokic for winning the MVP. Well-deserved. I think he's one of a few players, few players that ever win that's a foreign player. I know – uh, Steve Nash, because he's from Canada. I know Dirk Nowinski, uh, and I think Nicole Jokic. I think those are, now I, those are the ones I can remember. So if I'm wrong, of course I, I'm sure people leave it in the comments. But I think those are the only only few players that are foreign players that won the MVP. So oh, and Giannis and Giannis on Giannis Giannis won uh, Greece. So those I can I really can only think of Hakeem Akeem won one MVP. I think. I'm not about to just. I'm not about to go through all of them. I'm just gonna say congratulations to Nikola Jokic, and I have Nikola Jokic third in the MVP. Uh, I mean third in my best players remaining in the playoffs. Number two, I have Kawhi. Man, look, <laughs> Kawhi is the sole reason why Luka Doncic is not in this. In, is not still playing. Kawhi, man, look. Kawhi, it's, it's hard to describe Kawhi because we don't know much about Kawhi except for the fact that Kawhi is, you know what he is? Kawhi is the di- is the sole difference or the sole opposite of Paul George. Now, and this is no shot to Paul George, but if we look at the stats and we look at what we've seen in recent years, it's, it's true. Kawhi Leonard turns up in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard doesn't really take the regular season that seriously. Of course, you have low management. You have him missing games. You have him just taking plays. It's the regular season. However, when the playoffs comes, he turns into a different animal. He turns into one of the best players in the league. And now, of course, we know he's one of the best players in the league, but he just turns his game up another notch. Paul George, on the other hand, Paul George really take like he is incredible in the regular season. He's a top ten player in my opinion in the regular season, but his game kind of, you know, felt you know, it kind of goes down in the in the postseason. We know about what happened in the bubble. We know about uh, some of his past postseason moments. So. But Kawhi Leonard has been incredible. Kawhi Leonard is, like I said, one of the sole reasons because because the Clippers should have lost first round against the the Dallas Mavericks. The game it went seven games and Luka was going crazy, and it, it, I mean that was the first series I think in NBA history where the first six games the road team won. So it was you know. <laughs> It was just, it was incredible, man. And, and and they can thank Kawhi Leonard for not, for, for, yeah. So there's no way that you can look at what Kawhi Leonard did and not think, yeah, he is one of the top five or top three players left in these playoffs. So I have Kawhi Leonard at number two. Number one, it, it shouldn't be a question. KD is on another level, man. KD what KD is doing, and the fact that he's doing this two years removed after after Achilles rupture. Now, when you look at the history of Achilles ruptures and and, and people recovering, there's only, there's not really too many stories of players coming back either the same or better. I think the only player that you can really look at is Dominique Wilkins, and he was a freak athlete. Man, KD is on another level, bro. K, KD is... There's, this is why there's always a question year after year. Now, I'm not saying he is. Now, I don't, I don't want to hear people say that. But there's always a question, is KD a top – is KD the best player in the world uh, because of stuff like this? K, KD, he destroyed – now, I understand Jason Tatum gave him 50. But he destroyed – he it was one of the biggest reasons why they destroyed Boston. And what he's doing the first two – or first two games against the Bucks, yeah, nah. KD and, – and and when you look at the, the, the matchup between KD and Giannis, it looks night and day. And the crazy thing is you're looking at a – you look – the matchup is a two-time MVP – 
and uh, a defensive player of the year going up against a regular season MVP, two-time champion, two-time finals MVP. Like these are accomplished players. And KD is is looks like the best player on the floor and it, it looks it doesn't even look close. So it it would behoove me just to not put KD at number 1. Man, KD has been that good and KD when you look at all the stars, like I said, you look at a Giannis, you look at CP3, you look at James Harden, you look at Kyrie, you look at Jokic, you look at Donovan Mitchell. Hell, people that's not even on this list. Look at a Ben Simmons. Look at a um, Paul George. Look at a Rudy Gobert. KD has looked. Even with – okay, so and, and here's the here's the thing. Imagine – even if AD was still in the playoffs, even if LeBron James was still in the playoffs – the only players that I can say would be an argument if they continued to play how they were playing before they left was Luca, and while he didn't make the playoffs, was Kate was Curry. They're the only players to me that are playing better or playing on the same level that Katie is playing right now. So I have to put Katie at number one. Katie has just been that freaking good. So that's my list. Again, Trey Young number ten, Donovan Mitchell. Kyrie, CP3, Giannis, Hart, uh, Embiid, Harden, Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, and KD. Those are my top 10 players uh, in the playoffs, remaining in the playoffs. So, moving forward, we talked a lot about Giannis. And, you know, I put Giannis as sixth. And, of course, uh, he's going against KD, who I put number one. And it's the Bucks have got destroyed the first two games. And we talk about legacies a lot. I heard a lot of people going at, uh, what's his name, LeBron James saying that his legacy is tarnished because he finally lost in the first round, uh, even though he's 14-1 and one at this point. But he, he finally lost. Um, people talk about uh, a lot. Legacies are, are always talked about. And... If we want to talk about legacies, we have to start. We have to start really looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is an incredible player. Don't get me wrong; he's he's arguably one of the most unstoppable players going uh, north and south, like he or east and west. Like he he is he is he is incredible. Giannis is. We've never seen a player like Giannis before. The problem is with Giannis is I'm not going to call him a one trick pony because he's not, but he continues to lose the same way. When you look at it in the playoffs, the luck of the last few years, you know, while he was injured, he did get injured the latter half of the bubble. But the 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 Heat beat him in the bubble because by walling up, not letting him, not letting him, you know, get to the get to the hole, and that was effective and making other people beat them. When you look against Toronto with Kawhi Leonard, walling up, putting Kawhi Leonard on him, not letting or making other people win. When you look at how Philly, like it's, yes, you're a great player, I get that. But when you start losing the same way, then you have to start really thinking about legacy. The reason why we don't talk about Damian Lillard his legacy is because of how he performs. And even though they've lost, what, four of the last, they've lost in the first, first round four of the last five years, every year Damian Lillard has, has shown out. Like, he, hell, he just had a 55-point game and they lost. Like, Damian Lillard has been incredible. It's just the people around him have not. Giannis, Giannis, Lose, they, yes, you lose the same way, and yes, he's had some really good games. But, uh man, it's it's, you know, we talk about we again, we talk about LeBron James' legacy, we talk about Anthony Davis' legacy, we talk about Ka- Kawhi Leonard's legacy. We really need to start thinking: How are we going to look at Giannis if he doesn't? It, it's it's one thing to lose to the Brooklyn Nets. I understand again, KD, Kyrie, James Harden when he comes back. Uh, Blake Griffin is playing like the Blake Griffin of old. It's it's a tall task for anybody to beat that team. But to lose the way that they're losing, that's different. 
Jan, I understand the first game, you know, Giannis, I think, had like 34 or something. But the second game, he disappeared. And he actually disappeared the second half of the game of the first game. So it's like, that's just, especially when you're going up against a person that should be, a lot of people deem it in the same class. Like, it's di- like Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so. Kawhi Leonard turned up against Luka because a lot of people consider them, okay, are they in the same class? Uh, Steph Curry turns up against Damian Lillard cause, and, and vice versa because they, they consider them in the same class. A lot of people consider Luka, I mean not Luka, Giannis in the same class as KD. Hell, a lot of people argue that KD, Giannis is better than KD. And it's like, okay, so you got the matchup. You're doing what you got to do. This is the time to do it. This is the time. And it's like the fact that it hasn't happened, it's just or the fact that he's losing the way he's losing. I mean, they they were damn near down 50 last game. So and and, and I understand Dame hasn't made it to the finals yet. I understand James Harden hasn't made it back to the finals since he was with OKC. I understand that some of the, t- you know, some of the top players have made it to the finals. But when you're on a team like the Bucks that. A lot of people parental like a lot of people year after year pick them to at least make it to the finals, it, and, and you get bounced out first second round. It it just you really have to you know and and losing the same way you lose, you really have to start looking at okay is Giannis you know I think his legacy is going to start to get I'm not going to say tarnished but I think you're really going to start to take a hard look at all right is this a top let me see this. How are we really viewing Giannis? And how and has Giannis hit his ceiling? I know it's hard to say from a player that we're, you know, and when you look at Giannis when he came into the league to now, I know it's crazy to say has he reached his peak. But one thing that has not really improved is his shot, jump shot. And that's the one thing that we've said needs to continue to improve. And it really hasn't this, the last, what, two, three years. So, you, if if he again, I, I understand if you don't win, it's I mean, it's just a series. It's Brooklyn, and you're going against three of the most gifted offensive players ever. But if you lose the way that you lost Game Two, the remainder of the series, you really have to start looking at. All right, is Giannis really who we think he is? So, yeah, man. And on the flip side of Giannis. We'll go to Luca, and the real question is: a lot of people are asking. And all right, so there's really, to me, there shouldn't be an argument. I think Luca is a top ten player right now in the league, from what he's doing in the regular season to what he's doing, what we just saw him do against the Clippers. I think is he, he's there should be no question is he a top ten player. The real question is he a top five player, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's just when you look at Luca, he's only 22, I think, doing things that we haven't seen. Like Luca, his offensive ability is crazy, man. Now, he doesn't play a lick of defense, but a lot of the younger players don't play defense. Like, like John Moran doesn't play defense, Zion don't play no type of defense. Um, all the defensive, real defensive players play defense, like Ben Simmons and Maurice Thimble. But all the supers, like Trey Young, don't play no defense. Uh, like I said, so we get, Lucas don't play defense. But his, he is so incredible offensively, and the, the real the the, the the fact that he's twenty two, I think his third year in the league, and he's already having an argument: is is he a top five player? To me is a success in and of its own. And it's hard from what you saw against the against the Clippers and and not question to see a top five player. Cause I mean he was going toe to toe with with Kawhi and Paul George and he everything that the Clippers threw at him that he was he was teeing them up. <laughs> like and and Kawhi and Paul George, like, that's no, like, they're two, they've been, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is a multiple-time defensive player of the year. Paul George has been on multiple, uh, all defensive teams. So, these aren't just two regular players. So, I just think the question, 
who really just need to start to ask two questions. One, is he a top five player right now? And two, if he continues like this, if he continues this ascension, can he or will he be considered the greatest foreign player of all time? Now, I know that's a very tough question when you have players like um, Dirk Nowinski, when you have players like Steve Nash, when you have players like uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Those are tough questions. However, I think I would say that Luka is already better than Manu Ginobili. I think he's already better than Tony Parker. I think he's already better than a lot of foreign players that we've seen. So to me, it's like, all right, now you you're really and he's so young, but you're he's he's knocking the doors with the Hakeem's and the and the 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 Dirks. So and to have that and to be able to have that conversation this early, yeah, man, that's Luca's incredible, bro. I just wanted to sh- I just wanted to shout him out. That's kind of what I wanted to do. I just wanted to shout out to Luca, man. Shout out to Luca. Let's move on. So we're going to move on to football a little bit. Um, or Aaron Rodgers did not report to minicamp for the for the Packers. And this really shouldn't be a – this isn't really a surprise to anybody. We knew what's been going on uh, this entire offseason with Aaron Rodgers ever since dating back to the draft, uh, coming out and saying he doesn't plan on returning to the team. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, you know – he was upset with how the Jordan Love draft went done. He's been upset with the lack of talent that's been put around him uh, outside of, like, Devonta Adams and stuff. So we knew that. And we're really about to see. All right, so all offseason we've been hearing that both sides are staying packed. Both sides are, are staying firm what they believe. Both sides are, are not going to move. We're really going to see – this is very important for both sides. I think in order you can't you can't say what you said, do what you do, not show up for OTAs, not show up for minicamp, and and then come back and say, all right, we cool. Like I, I, I don't see Aaron Rodgers doing that. And I don't think you can do that, because at that point, you've just been losing money for no reason. Like you you know, no. You you've been you've been losing money. And I don't really see him as a type of person to just be losing money for no reason. So no. Now, this point right here is we're really going to see what the Green Bay Packers are made of because they can do one of two things. They can either start finding him now or they can excuse his absence. If they start finding him now, to me, that is the that is the bridge is completely burnt and Chris like the torched because it's like, all right, I'm upset with you. Because you haven't done enough to help me. And now, instead of helping me, you're going to find me. Yeah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. I'm done. And all, nah, you're done. Now, if you excuse it. Now, this this could help. Aaron Rodgers not being out could help the Packers a lot. I mean, last year there was no OTAs. There was no preseason. Tom Brady, oldest quarterback in the league, won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers. One of the one of the older quarterbacks won the MVP, so it wouldn't it would help that if Aaron Rodgers gets some time off this and the third, uh, and come back maybe, I don't know, come back maybe before game one if he does come back, this this could help. Not to mention there's going to be a, a mini preseason, I guess. So you want to see what Jordan Love, even though a lot of reports are saying Jordan Love is nowhere close to being ready, which is which is unfortunate but um yeah so this can help them but we we really need to see what we're really going to see how this relationship goes between Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay is Green Bay going to if they start finding him you know if they start finding Green if they start finding Aaron Rodgers I don't believe we will ever see Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers jersey again I honestly don't think so if they, yeah, nah, nah, I just don't see it. So this is a very, uh, now it's not a huge deal that Aaron Rodgers hasn't reported to minicamp if they don't start finding him. If they do start finding him, yeah, it's a huge, huge deal. If if they, if the team excuses it, then really start to see towards the end of, or in the middle of, to the end of preseason, then we'll start to see, all right, this is, this is bigger than, you know, this is, we'll see. 
So that's just that. And lastly, on Sunday, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul fought. Uh, I'm not really going to. I mean, I, t- I talked to Eric Lyons of the Electric Podcast a couple episodes ago. Was this good for boxing? Um, a lot. Of, I mean, there was no there was no knockout. There was no loser. It was an exhibition. I mean, it was, you know, it was a fight. <laughs> it was a fight. And and one thing that what I'll finish is this. A lot of people I heard a lot of people saying that this uh tarnishes Floyd Mayweather's legacy because he didn't knock out uh a YouTuber in Logan Paul. First and foremost, I don't know if you saw the fight, but Logan Paul is huge compared to Floyd Mayweather. That's the reason why weight classes were invented. Because Logan Paul is leaps and bounds taller and bigger than Floyd Mayweather. But when I hear people say Floyd Mayweather's uh, Floyd Mayweather's legacy was tarnished, I'm confused because what, how, how did he build his legacy? The right now legacy is arguably one of the best boxers ever. But how did he build his, his he built his legacy on being the undisputed greatest defensive boxer ever? Um. He built his legacy on on f- fighting who I mean fighting being strategic on who and when he fight to them, and his his business acumen has been you know is is second to none in the boxing world. So it's like how he landed more punches than than Logan Paul. He got hit less than Logan Paul, and he made I think like like 10 million before the fight even started so it's like plus 50 percent of the pay-per-views i believe so it's like i don't understand how you're tell how you're saying that his legacy was tarnished no it wasn't like that it's like i don't i don't get it i don't get it but hey congratulations to logan paul and shouts out to logan paul too for you know winning i mean not winning who what am i talking about shouts out to logan paul for surviving and and being a YouTuber, being able to 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 go up toe to toe against uh, Floyd Mayweather. I'm not saying you won because he didn't win. Neither Floyd. There was no winners. But if there was going to be a winner, I don't think he won. But he didn't get knocked out, and he he put his mind to something. He trained hard as hell, and he survived. So shouts out to Floyd. Shouts out to Logan Paul, and shouts out to to Showtime. So hey, kaboom. But there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate all the listeners. Appreciate all the fans. Appreciate all the supporters. You guys definitely mean a lot to me. Like it, it, it's it, it, it's still. I'm a pretty humble person, and it's still is it's crazy to me when I get random messages or on my everyday life, people come to me and say, "Hey, man, your content's getting better," or I just stumbled across your your podcast. It's really good, or you know, I, I saw you on YouTube and, and, and the videos look really good. I appreciate that, man. I put a lot of work into this and I, I still love it. I, I still love it. And I, I appreciate all the help and support um, that I get along the way. So I appreciate you guys and I love you guys, man. If you're new to here, if you're new here, new to the podcast, new to the YouTube, please subscribe. Please subscribe. It definitely mean a lot. I'm trying to reach a thousand uh, subscribers. So if you can, please play your part and subscribe. The link is in the description below, uh, and it would definitely mean a lot. If you want an unpopular podcast shirt, uh, merch, any type, with hoodies, long sleeves, sweaters, joggers, the link is in the description below. I got a lot of designs, a lot of different colors. Just click on the shirt, and you can change the color. It definitely means, hey, get your unpopular podcast merch. And uh, yeah, man. Again, I appreciate y'all. Love you guys. And until next time, much love. The spread of infection. Uh, the street don't show love. I'm getting to it. Don't make you a boss. There's no remorse. It turns to the inevitable course. Don't follow nobody else's. Figure out which path is yours. Cause lights go off. And I pray to God I'd never get lost. They always watching, pretending they want you winning. Of course, they want the torch. The turns of the inevitable course. All I got is my word and principles that I've never crossed. Can't get knocked off. The turns of the inevitable Yo. course. Uh. 
Rare that I speak when y'all rather I not be mentioned either. You running the internet with your issues, you're an attention seeker. Never lay shit down for me, cover dispenses either. That's what Blue came in, showing love's an expensive teacher. Money involved, people will flip-flop on you Gucci style. You shit all on me, keep that same energy when the truth comes out. You floored yourself, we'll put you in a position where you can vouch. Do losers count? I run you round, time to pack up and move the house. Losing the best friends and feeling nobody else can help. Just look at me, all these years later, still out here by myself. Love from the fakest material, thing disguised as wealth. Thinking I'm vulnerable, I'm not. Weapon concealed behind the belt. Ain't have this doubt I hear since before you heard it, me love it. Minimizing behind doors, switching it up in public. You looking for light, got a little bit off my name and loved it. Grown ass man, dick riding for corpses. I'm the street, don't show love, I'm getting to it. Don't make you a boss, there's no remorse. It turns to the inevitable course. Don't follow nobody else's, figure out which path is yours, cause lights go off. And I pray to God I never get lost. They always watching, pretending they want you winning, of course. They want the torch, the turns of the inevitable course. All I got is my word and principles that I've never crossed. Can't get knocked off, the turns of the inevitable course. Take a walk through my catalog that nobody helped me design. Just when you thought you finally clipped my wings, you were helping me fly. Maybe my dark aura's reversed, maybe I fell from the sky. Can't let no playbook side. Let's blot out my vision, eye for an eye They want the truth intact, forced me to shoot it back Left me a booby trap, how cruel is that? Got me out on the corners where it gets spooky at Believe nothing what you hear, fucking dummy For just assuming that half of what you may see Common sense is rare and you're losing that AR1 with the doofy strap This is supply to fiends, new improved version of super crack Cruising back in the beam I was destined to have a king Since Safari get moved to Queens, crabs trying to stop each other Hard to be happy if one of us leaves These suckers don't get to slap five Point I've severed my rap ties, deaths are permanent Minute black guy, rest in peace, wise and fat shy. Pockets fat as your last lie. Allegedly, I'm the bad guy. Probably don't like me anyway. Lucky to see uh, me pass. The street by. don't show love, I'm getting to it. Don't make you a boss, there's no remorse. The turns of the inevitable course. Don't follow nobody else's. Figure out which path is yours, cause lights go off. And I pray to God I never get lost. They always watching, pretending they want you winning, of course. They want the torch. The turns of the inevitable course. All I got is my word and principles that I've never crossed. Can't get knocked off. The terms of the inevitable course